Psalm 130, verse 1 and 2 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Lament is a way of expressing deep pain and sorrow and regret and anger and hurt. And we can express them in a lot of different ways. You can express it as written prayer, as you know, crying out loud to the Lord um, through singing, through um, physical action. Um, and it serves a lot of different purposes. It can be a protest um, against the pain that's happening in the world around us, or it can be um, a means of processing and asking our questions of like, man, why, why is suffering happening in the world? Um, and if you don't believe me about how important it is, I promise your Bible is full of it. Um, every prophet in the Bible laments, minor and major prophets. Um, Jesus lamented on the cross. There's even an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, um, which we'll get to in just a moment. But lamenting is clearly this uniquely biblical way of dealing with pain because it brings God into the pain. So there's a few key parts that define a lament, and we're going to use some of my favorite verses um, in Lamentations 3 to define it. And for reference, um, since I'd imagine that maybe most of us in the room don't spend a ton of time just poring over the book of Lamentations in the Bible, um, the book of Lamentations is five chapters, um, which are five different poems written by Jeremiah. And these poems were written during a time that Babylon was laying siege to Jerusalem, and the people in Jerusalem um, had been uh, worshiping idols, um, like living in depravity, sinning against God, and God had been warning them, like, hey, this is, like, there, there will be a judgment for you making these choices, like, come back to me. And Jeremiah was coming as a prophet and warning them, um, but these people chose uh, to continue to break their covenant with God. And so now, um, this, this siege, this war, has come onto Jerusalem. And this uh, book of Lamentations is Jeremiah crying out for the suffering that is happening around him. Um, so we're going to um, read through some of these verses, and I'm going to warn you right now that um, there's a lot of scripture in this, um, but there's no quiz afterwards. You know, I'm, I'm not going to ask that you memorize it all. Um, and these, these verses aren't, aren't really like heady, difficult to understand. They're, they're poetic verses. And I want to share some bigger chunks with you so you can really get an idea of what these laments look like um, and what it really was that Jeremiah was doing when he was talking to God. So starting at the beginning of Lamentations 3, um, verse 1, I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again, all day long. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is gone. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. These heavy verses, starting this chapter, highlight the first important key characteristic of lament, which is bringing your complaint to God. 
these words here are of a man who is heartbroken for the suffering that he sees around him. He has experienced it, his, his friends are experiencing it, and he really feels like he's at the end of himself. I mean, so much so that he tells us he has forgotten what peace and prosperity ever felt like. And so for him to find freedom from these difficult and confusing feelings, he has to lay all of it out on the table and say, this, this is all of it, this is all of the junk, this is all of the questions, this is all of the hardship. And really is coming to God, palms out, and saying, this is awful. I don't know what to do with this, but all I know is that I can't do anything with this. And depending on your personality, this might be um, the easiest part of the lament, or it might be the hardest part of the lament. But I would say that historically, this tends to be the longest part of the lament, <laughs> um, as much as that makes us uncomfortable. If you'll notice, the verses that I shared before, um, they're not up there anymore, but you might get the, the, scent of what I'm say the sentiment of what I'm saying, um, is that I actually skipped, I, I read to you one and three, and then I skipped 11 verses all the way down to 14 and 19. So there's 11 more verses in the middle there that would be him continuing to bring his complaint to God. And there are two full chapters before we get to Lamentations 3 that are him bringing his complaint to God. Um, so if it isn't evident, like, man, you have freedom in this lament to the Lord to, like, share it all. Be like, this thing is frustrating. This thing is confusing. Like, God, where are you in the midst of this? I don't know what to say, but I have a lot of thoughts running through my head. Um, because your, your complaint here is your total expression of everything that you're seeing and feeling. And what's worth noting is that Jeremiah doesn't just talk about what he feels people are doing to him. He talks about what he feels like God is doing to him. He expresses the frustration that he's feeling towards God, and he's not ashamed of it. He's just coming, open palms, and saying, this is the reality of my situation. So let's keep going through the verses um, and look at the next characteristic of lament. So picking up um, right off in verse 20, uh, Jeremiah says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, and it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. The next important characteristic that we see here is the place where Jeremiah turns to acknowledge God. You know, he's expressed all of the sorrow and all of the heartache that he's feeling, but he also says, man, I know, I know that God is, is present here. Maybe he hasn't gotten to the place where he understands exactly what God is doing, but he does know that God, God is in that situation. God is, is right there and is available to him. And what he's doing is, even in this place of lament, he's actually calling on God's strength. And he's calling on God's strength by calling back to other scriptures. In these verses I read to you, he's actually referring to things that he's heard other prophets say, like other, other people who have followed the Lord and have learned wisdom. And he isn't having to pretend like he's coming up with the answers on his own. He's not even having to say that, like I said, he believes them yet. But he's like, okay, I know 
that other people have said this is a promise of God. I know that, that God has, has spoken these things to people before, so I can choose to turn to him and hope that these things will be true in my own situation. And just for reference, um, verse 23, where he said, um, the mercies are new every morning. That's calling back to Psalm 30, verse 5, which says, one may experience sorrow during the night, but joy arrives in the morning. Or verse 26, that says, it's good for one to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That's calling back to Isaiah 33, 2, where it says, O Lord, be gracious to us, we wait on you. Um, so these, these are things that he's, he is giving himself a firmer foundation. Um, he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm feeling these things, but at the same time, I know this is true. And that's a really vital part of this lamenting process. And continuing on in verse 28, um, he says, Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Now to me, this feels like the most difficult aspect of lament, which is taking it a step past turning to God, and now we are choosing to trust there's a continued aspect of faith here, but we're also choosing to put our hope in something that we haven't seen yet. We're saying, okay, I've, I've, I have these complaints, I've heard that God is good, and I'm going to choose to trust that God is good. And in the midst of that, it doesn't dismiss any of the pain that's being felt. It doesn't dismiss any of the very long complaints that we've heard before, um, before these verses here. But it says, even in these things that maybe seem unchanging, that maybe I don't, I don't know how on earth God is going to come in the midst of that, even in that midst, God can take all of these things and use them for good. And I think this is really a valuable part of the lament because it really gives a larger view of what's happening. Again, it doesn't deny the sorrow. I want to be really clear on that. But it gives you a 30,000-foot view and says, oh, yes, this thing, this thing is true, this thing I'm experiencing. Like, this thing sucks that I'm experiencing. But also, the grander narrative of what's happening in my faith, of, what's, of the story that God has been painting for thousands of years, like, this is a piece of it, but it's not the whole story of it. And it's something that, that grounds you and gives you... Um, gives you a greater perspective. And finally, um, going to the end of Lamentations 3 in verse 55, but I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. You heard me when I cried, listen to my pleading, hear my cry for help. Yes, you came when I called and you told me, do not fear. So simply put, the final piece of lament is us asking boldly for help. Lamenting is calling for God's total deliverance from the situation. So we've expressed the pain we're feeling. We've acknowledged that God is present. We've said, I'm going to trust him. And now we are going to boldly ask God to move in our midst. Even if it doesn't make sense. You know, he, he's calling, um, when he says, Lord, from deep within the pit, he's referring to being in like the pits of hell, like the pits of Sheol. 
And he's saying, like, Lord, listen to my crying, like, hear my voice. Like, he, he is calling, metaphorically, of course, from the deepest place that he could be. And he's saying, man, it doesn't make any sense for me to leave here, but I'm going to boldly ask God to take me out of this place, boldly ask God to come in the midst of it and to do something greater here because I know the character of God. I've reminded myself through scripture. I've reminded myself um, in the midst of my own circumstances. Um, and, it, and, um, and it's really, really the place that brings freedom. It ultimately is like, okay, I... This is where I find peace in the midst of the pain. And this is where I believe that God is our deliverer. So after breaking all of this down, all of the different pieces of lament, I feel like, at least to me, it's clear that this is not how most of the world responds to pain, of suffer pain and suffering. You know, I, this is not my instinct to respond to pain and suffering. Um, there's really either the two camps in the world, that first one of the, like, this is fine, you know, everything is okay, there's nothing on fire, or really just this place of, like, overwhelming wallowing, and, like, man, there, what can happen in the midst of this? Um, and it's something I think we get stuck between those two in the pain we experience in our own lives as well. And this process of lament, um, if you've had uh, any sort of conversation with me over the last nine months, is probably something I've brought up to you, um, because it's a process that the Lord has been teaching me this year. So, I, you might have heard me share about it before, but I have dealt with a number of health issues over the course of my life. And the last couple of years, I've been dealing with um, some more serious issues that have been um, more painful, more affecting of my daily life, and that I haven't really had, um, for most of that time, a clear diagnosis for. And um, last winter, I had a new doctor, and this doctor and I met and decided that it was necessary for me to have um, surgery for my pain. And I was stuck in this place of being ecstatic and heartbroken because on one hand, I had been praying and praying and praying that God would bring a doctor who would listen to what I was feeling and was like, man, I, I agree with you that something else is wrong here that we haven't named yet. And I had gotten that. But at the same time, I had known for a while that surgery was a possibility, and I had been praying and praying that God would heal me before that was my only option. And so now I was here with two prayers, one that had been totally answered and like, you know, God was like, yes, and the other one, it felt like had been stamped with like this big fat red no. And I didn't know how on earth to feel both of those things at the same time. You know, there's, there's so many confusing emotions that come up in the midst of that. Um, but I, time went on, and um, it moved into spring of this year, um, which is when my surgery was scheduled for. Um, because if any of you have ever had surgeries, you know, they tend to be like, yes, this is urgent. We're going to do this in four months, okay? <laughs> um, but I uh, was approaching the time of my surgery, and um, I was still wrestling with these things that I was feeling, um, and I was feeling, um, you know, anticipation and fear and excitement and curiosity and deep sorrow. Um, and eventually, the time for the surgery comes, and I end up having um, this procedure done. Um, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't miraculously healed before it. Um, and the surgery passes, and I have been given an answer. You know, I have been given, um, like, they're like, this, this is what's wrong with you. We figured it out. And the surgery happened, and, like, 30% of my pain disappeared afterwards. But not all of it disappeared. 
And now I had to pay for the surgery, and I had to heal from the surgery, and I was still, again, stuck in this place where there was this greatness that had happened and this pain that was happening at the same time, and I had no means of dealing with those both in the same hand. And during the season, I started reading the Book of Lamentations. And I'm sure some of you have felt the same way where you read something in scripture and you're like, I think I'm the first person to ever read this before. <laughs> like, I, like, this is, was this in here the whole time? Like, did no one tell me? Like, this is so good. And that is how I felt as I was reading what Jeremiah was saying and how Jeremiah was, was mourning for the pain that he was experiencing and calling on God at the same time. And I was like, I, am I allowed to do this? Like, I, is it okay if I hold joy and sorrow, like, at the same time? Is it okay if I go and spend time with the Lord and I don't end that time of prayer feeling like, oh, everything is sunshine and daisies and rainbows? Like, is it okay if I'm still kind of sad afterwards? And the sentence that stuck with me so heavily and so clearly um, was that, that phrase that Jeremiah says, I will never forget my present suffering, but this comes to my mind, and so I have hope. That was something that brought so much freedom to me. That was something that taught me, like, man, there, there is a greater way that God has been calling us to live in the midst of pain, in the midst of a broken world. And I was able to, I, I actually spent um, about a month and a half praying these scriptures every single morning. I would wake up and read these, and I would cry out my own laments, and I would read through psalms, and I would like shout to God and be confused, and sometimes be happy, and sometimes be heartbroken, and feel all of these at the same time. Um, but there was, there was freedom that I found from this art of lamenting. Psalm 118, verses 5 and 6 says, In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere mortals do to me? This is the freedom that is brought to us by practicing the art of lament. It is the chosen way of, of Jesus. It is the chosen way in the New Testament and the Old Testament um, and it's something that has brought clarity for so many others and something that I want us to grasp a hold of today. Because lament can really work in two different ways. The first is lament can be practiced as a personal outcry of pain, which is important. I think it's necessary. It's a lot of what Jeremiah is doing in Lamentations 3. Um, and I think it's really vital to our relationship with God that we are willing to bring our complaints to him and say, like, hey, these are, these are my, my wrestlings with you, Lord. But lament also serves as a means of standing in solidarity with greater global suffering. You see, the book of Lamentations is written mostly from the perspective of a community's suffering at large. Um, the book of Lamentations in, in the first two chapters and the last two chapters show us the anguish of women who have lost their children, of husbands who have lost their wives, of um, businesses and homes that have been um, destroyed, of, of chaos that is being brought to this neighborhood, of people that Jeremiah maybe has never even met, but he now knows of them because he's heard of the hardships and the afflictions that have happened to them. Um, 
And he, he feels the weight of all of these things happening in this city around him. He feels it all so heavily that he actually writes as though he can feel like the physical pain of the land and the city crying out. Um, in Lamentations 1, verses 2 and 4, um, which just gives you a taste, this whole chapter is like this. It says, Jerusalem sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. The roads to Jerusalem are in mourning. For crowds no longer come to celebrate the festivals. The city gates are silent. Her priests groan. Her young women are crying. How bitter is her fate. The people in the Bible who followed God had this personal connection of feeling the pain of the world that was happening around them. It's very evident that they felt the weight of the different nations and cities and towns that were suffering during these times. And because they felt that weight, they also felt the great need for a savior to come to these places. And that feeling is not one that has gone away today. In fact, I think all of us in this room can agree that we have felt this like, it almost feels like the earth has been aching for the last couple of years. You know, there's just been like conflict after conflict. And it honestly, I know that I've felt overwhelmed. I'm sure a lot of you in this room have felt overwhelmed by it. You know, you open your phone and every email, every text message, every social media page is just like inundating you with this pain that's happening in the world. And it becomes so much where you're like, man, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this. You know, really it feels like there's nothing that you can do in the midst of it. Um, I feel like even recently, the, the things that come mostly to mind are, you know, the, the never-ending battles in Ukraine, the um, loss of life, the beheaded babies in Israel, um, mass shootings and abortions in America. Um, these are all things that weigh heavily on the heart um, and leaves you in this place of um, almost like hands up being like, okay, I don't like this. It reminds me of, of this Suzanne I was talking about at the beginning where it's like, this feels gross. I know that it's bad, but I think I just want to leave the room and plug my ears and hope that someone can tell me when it's passed so I can come be a part of this again. Um, but the answer here is not that. The answer here is to lament. We must fight for the nations, contend for the nations, for the things that are happening in the places that aren't just our neighborhoods. We have to care and we have to say, man, there is affliction happening here and, and I, I, don't, I don't like it. Like, God, I, I want to see your victory in the midst of these things. Um, because when we lament, when we take a step back and learn and understand what's happening in the world, we can see, oh, that is the place that the world still needs the Prince of Peace to come. That is the place where uh, these people need to still understand and feel God's victory. And I know it's something that I've had to wrestle through in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, one of the biggest news stories that's broken in the last few weeks has been the war between Israel and Palestine. And the things that have come out in the midst of that, of the, just like the global death, is enough to bring hurt to anyone, you know, who's hearing those stories and is heartbroken over them. But it's something that has um, personally affected me and, and personally brought pain to my heart. Because um, I, the people that are being hurt in Israel are Jewish, and I'm Jewish. Um, ethnically, I'm 50% Ashkenazi Jew, like that's, that's my heritage. Religiously, um, my dad um, 
practiced until his 20s and then converted to Christianity. And all of my dad's family still actively practices Judaism. And because of these things, um, the Jewish faith is a huge part of my culture. And just being, being a Jewish person, like, like ethnically a Jewish person, is a big part of my identity. And so when I've seen the news stories and I've seen really like the anti-Semitic tweets and think pieces and articles, um, it's made me really angry. And then when I heard of the um, global call for um, war to be waged on um, Jews around the world, it made me really sad. And I ended up in this place feeling these emotions where I was just so overwhelmed. Um, obviously, it still overwhelms me. You know, I, my heart was broken for these people across the world that I had no close, intimate relationship with. These are people that I, I didn't know, but I, I felt like the pain of what was happening there. And I felt the fear for my own Jewish family um, who lives here in America. And I didn't know what to do with it, so I turned to mourning. I turned to lamenting. And I spent a number of days just crying out to God. I was reading through Psalms. I was expressing my frustrations. Um, I had uh, some friends who were feeling a lot of the um, really similar types of pain that I was feeling. And um, I just reached out to them and just prayed for each other um, in the midst of that. And really took that situation and like lifted it up and was like, God, we need you to come. Like, we need you to move in the midst of what's happening here. Like, these people don't know you, and these people need to know you. So the, um, in the Bible, like, Maranatha means come, Lord Jesus. Like, that's just what I was praying, was like, Maranatha, like, come, Lord, come to the midst of it. And when I did that, and I stepped into the place of lamenting the way that Bible was asking me to lament, the way that God was asking me to lament, I wasn't just stuck in my anger and this feeling of being alone anymore, but I felt that solidarity that I was talking about. I felt like I was standing arm in arm with other people who were heartbroken and who were confused and who were sad and who wanted the Lord to come and bring freedom to this land and bring freedom to these people. And it was obviously freeing. You know, it was, it was like a means and a method of something that, that I felt like I could do. And it felt like something that God was asking me to do. And it's the same thing that we need to do today. Because when we lament over the brokenness of the world, we bring dignity back to that situation. We bring a voice to the voiceless. When we elevate it and we say like, hey, look at this, like, like no one ignore this, no one pretend like it's not happening, like look, look at the pain that's here, we are bringing a voice to those people in that situation. And it's necessary because we can't be the ones to save people from their own brokenness. You know, we, we have a savior in Jesus, but we are not anyone's savior. And there is so much more pain and brokenness happening in the world than we'll ever know. And for good reason. We were not meant to carry the weight of the world, but we were meant for the stories that do come on our news feeds, that do come in our newspapers. We were meant to enter into those places. And we were meant to stand for the injustice and turn our faces to God, because that is the example that has been set for us for thousands and thousands of years. Because this is so fundamental to right now. It is fundamental to our lives. It is fundamental as like a community of believers here in Manhattan that we know how to do this. And it is fundamental if we want to see 
um, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Like, if we want to see heaven come here on earth, this has to be the way that we are contending and fighting for the nations. And so if this is so important and such, such a necessary part of our lives, um, the question is, how do we then make it a part of it? And the answer is actually surprisingly simple. You practice it. And there's a couple of different ways that you can practice it. And I want to acknowledge first that when you do something for the first time, it's going to be weird, and it's going to be clunky, and it's going to be awkward, um, kind of like riding a bike. That's OK. But once you do learn how to do it, um, it's something that you remember for the rest of your life. It's something that you can always call back to. And so the few different ways that you can practice it, um, first is, like I said, the next time you're online and you see something like a GoFundMe or a news story that breaks your heart, um, you stop and pray for that thing. And you lament um, for the places that you feel overwhelmed, and you lament for the place that you want God to come. And then the second way you can practice it is um, lamenting with your friend or your neighbor. Um, if we are great listeners, then we will notice that there are a lot of hardships that happen in the lives of the people around us. And there's a lot of things that we can stop and pray for people for, pray with people for. And so you can take that opportunity to either lament with them in the moment or um, remember later and say, hey, I'm going to come back and like lament for this person, like cry out to God, have a call to action for this person. Um, the third option is uh, you can practice by reading through scriptures of lament. Now, obviously, there's a ton of them. Um, and if you have like a specific type of lament or situation you're looking for, um, you can find those online. I'm personally partial to Lamentations and Lamentations 3. Um, but some of the other easy places to start are really in the Psalms. Um, I had noted that uh, Psalm 13 is a good one, Psalm 22, and Psalm 80. And um, finally, um, beyond practicing, uh, we really need to remember that the goal of lamenting is, again, not to wallow in our grief and not to pretend like our grief doesn't exist but to believe that God is victorious over our grief. He is victorious over the situation. When Jesus um, was crucified and completely resurrected, he was breaking the hold that death and destruction had on us. Like death and destruction was no longer victorious, Jesus was victorious. And that is the same promise that we can hold on to and believe is true for the personal, global, national situations that we hear of. We can hold on to the promise in Isaiah 25, 8, that says, He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. So we can function out of that truth. We can take these tools, we can take this understanding, this art of lamenting, and use it as a way to um, serve others, as a way to honor our relationship with God, um, and as a way to like come into the pain in the world um, with like a greater perspective and a greater understanding. And we don't have to be anymore the 10-year-old the Susannas, um, you know, who are, are so overwhelmed that they can't handle a Phineas and Ferb episode. Like that is, that does not have to be the way that we live. And we don't have to be like the dog who's pretending like his room isn't on fire. Because the reality is that it is. And eventually, the table will catch on fire and the coffee will catch on fire, but we don't have to um, be shocked by that. We don't have to be surprised. Um, we can stand on the foundation of lament. Um, we can stand on this and be empowered by it. Um, so I'm going to pray for us this morning. Um, just pray that um, this is something that our hearts are open to, that this is something that the Lord can teach us about. 
Um, and I'm also gonna say that if you have something that you're like, man, I, I need someone to lament with me over this, like I need someone to like contend with me for this, to fight for this, um, don't be afraid to find someone this morning and ask them to be a part of that with you. Um, so if you'll just bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for being a God who knows the needs of his people, who knows um, the heartache and the heartbreak that would happen when we lived in a broken world, but is also a God who is victorious, um, a God who has defeated death, and a God who has provided us a means and a method of handling the death that we see in this world. Um, Lord, we just declare that you are sovereign over all of these situations, personal, um, national, global, um, Lord, you, you have your hand on these places. You are victorious in all of our lives. Um, Lord, we can rely on the promises um, that have been given to us in Scripture. Um, and Lord, we thank you for wanting to have a close and personal relationship with your children. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.